0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamer Pindura podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today I have a very special guest with us. I have Bubba Gaddard, the executive director of the Varsity Esports Foundation. Hey there, Bubba. How's it going?
1: I am excellent, doctor. How are you, sir?
0: Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself?
1: Kansas City is sunny as well.
0: Wonderful. You know, I'm, uh, I am did a few years in the, the Mideast um, over in Ohio, and I never saw the sun. So for me, the Mideast is just... Midwest, sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm originally from California, so anything west or east of Colorado is the Mideast.
1: <laughs> I get it. Okay. Now, now I understand the reference. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: I, I just, for years and years, Colorado is the Midwest, right? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, Bo, why don't we just get right into it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Well, I luckily have the ability to be the Executive Director for the Varsity Sports Foundation, like you said, and Here in Kansas City, we try to work internationally with as many students as possible in schools, especially in low-income areas, urban, rural, to support them with access to internet, scholarships, grants, devices, STEM education. That's what I get to do on a daily basis. And then I guess more about me, really, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I got three little boys, all have summer birthdays and we're having lots of fun this summer. Um, uh, My wife is uh, just, just uh, stepped down as a pastor at our church and been very, we're very involved uh, in our church on Sundays and organizing things. I get to work with the students and be a big, silly, you know, person on stage with wigs and other things to, you know, make them laugh. It's been, I've been doing that for a lot of years, so I really enjoy it. Beautiful. And then really, there's just a, uh, there's a lot to cover, I guess. I'm 38 you know, this summer and in 17 days. So I've got a, you know, a life worth of experience, I guess. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, happy early birthday to you. Thank you. And there's quite a lot to unpack there. But before we begin, you kind of already gave me a clue. So I always ask every guest one question as I start. So I'm going to ask you just like everybody else on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high. How weird are you, Bubba?
1: Uh, I like being above a 10. So 11, I, I like, I like being weird. Okay. Why uh, is that? I, Cause I've, I've
0: had my share of wigs. Hey, okay, that's not, that's nothing.
1: <laughs> um, I just, I, I don't know. I like, I like the idea of nonconformity and the idea of, of I like the center of attention in groups. I don't like to talk to people one-on-one in conversations face to face. So I'm that kind of on the, you know, on the personality scale and kind of things we do, uh, the Enneagram scale. I'm a seven, which is kind of a outgoing person who also isn't good in small groups, but his ability just, I don't, I, I don't get embarrassed easily. It takes a lot for me to get embarrassed. I'm, I've worn all sorts of weird things to events or, or church, church things or whatever. Yeah. I, so I'm weird. I'm happy I'm to be. take
0: that test. Cause I imagine I'm going to score right there with you. Introverted nice. extrovert. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this is the gamerpreneur. So I'm going to need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games?
1: So I, I really go back to about three or so. Oh, the dogs, the dog in the office here. Uh, the, My dad worked at Radio Shack when I was a kid, which, you know, I don't think Radio Shack's That's kicking it old school right there. (laughs) Really old school. I really enjoyed um, building PCs and we worked on, I think the first games were like on a Tandy computer. Uh, I think we had like my neighbor had an Atari maybe. Uh, We had some kind of the, we had some of those little handheld type games that were, you know, like ASCII, like very, very simple stuff. But I think Tandy games where it's text-based adventures or something. Uh, When I was younger, uh, my dad worked at Radio Shack, but we used to drive remote control cars around the store, do inventory and learn all sorts of business stuff, but also have a lot of fun. So we're real, real lucky to have that opportunity uh, at a young age. And my dad did that through, I don't know, I was 10 probably.
0: Wonderful. And how did your love of gaming progress? Because I mean, at some point you had to have joined the Varsity Esports Foundation. You have to have a love of games.
1: Yeah, I definitely love games. Um, A gamification of anything really. I mean, you know, know, mowing the lawn, it can be gamification for me as a, as a, as a middle-aged man now and with the family. But um, the, the, the fun part for me, I think is just, going back and looking at maybe the different adventures of playing with friends and playing with neighbors, uh, like building a bulletin board when it was only dial up back in the 90s when the internet wasn't really even around yet. Um, But then gaming on on dial up bulletin boards with people and doing text-based adventures, I guess. But I guess really playing PlayStation and Sega and Sonic and stuff like that uh, through the childhood is is as was I mean I I loved it. I still I, I love going on those free emulators online and playing Sonic or or whatever from old school or we've got a Wii that still has it's like a ten year old Wii I'm surprised it survived with our kids' usage you know at least once a week to go back and play Mario on the Wii you know the old school Mario and all of them really and Mike Tyson's Punch Out so yeah I'm a gamer really and then I'd say when I really dove deep into it It was 2004, I think maybe 2002, we were playing EverQuest, my buddy and I were playing EverQuest a lot, and then World of Warcraft came out in 04 December, we started playing that, and honestly, I've probably played World of Warcraft since then, off and on, so it's been 15, 15, 16 years almost and that's my big love but obviously right now I'm definitely into call of duty with all my buddies from church like every all of us are playing call of duty every night our, our wives actually created a, a Facebook group that is like the women's group because you know we haven't been meeting in church so we've this is like our community group <laughs> where we hang out and so they've got one which is really funny so it's got its own pick pe- impact of its own
0: very cool now since you said you played wow I have to ask quarter Alliance.
1: I am a horde.
0: Oh, okay. I won't hold it against you.
1: Mm. You're a, you're a little longer better. than me. I, I did
0: I did ten years. I think I had two years played time in game on just one character. <laughs> so.
1: Wow. I I've played plenty of Alliance, but I'm not a I'm not a raider. I am a oh cool, I got top level. Oh, what's the next character I can make from level one and play this for six months and then and then I I'm that kind of wower. I'm not a I'm not a dedicated raider. I've done two raids maybe like on the Lich King and maybe, I don't know how, maybe that's it.
0: There's nothing wrong. I don't think I would even have time to raid anymore. <laughs> Back right. in college, I could just skip classes and play, but now yeah. it's like, ugh.
1: Yeah, like well, this, this four hour thing, like I don't have four hours really to vote. This is why I can get on, do a quest, get off. Okay, I got one more gaming
0: question then we'll kind mm-hmm. of move on and talk about kind of the professional side of it. But Desert Island scenario, if I put you on an island with a power cable and an Ethernet cord, what one game do you take with you?
1: Uh, power cord Ether cable. Well, that'd be – I mean, if it's got pretty good Internet and I've got a pretty good uh, – I'd, I'd probably say just because it's expansive and there's just constant ability to do stuff, World of Warcraft is an easy – uh, you know, in 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 addiction mode with video games that many of us have, the self-soothing through and the escapism through World of Warcraft is probably probably a go-to. Uh, I mean, really, any time in life, I think for for many people, especially me, just to escape reality if I need to. So yeah, that'd be one if that's where I was stuck. I love but it. That's the connection you could have. Certainly, I could I, also I'd probably i be right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I could also connect with the GM and say, hey, somebody send a boat. We're
0: <laughs> Okay, so Bubba, um, you're the executive director of the Varsity Sports Foundation. What's your professional background? How did you end up here?
1: Yeah, I've uh, been, so really after high school, I, I was jogging in my neighborhood. I was going to play soccer in college that next year as a freshman in Oklahoma City at NAIA school, and I was jogging past uh, my local Y, YMCA, where I learned um, to swim, and I learned how to play racquetball and, and exercise as a kid. You know, my, my grandpa even helped build the pool in this YMCA. So I, I started on as a fitness instructor at the Y, and for 15 years, I worked in nonprofit and traditional sports with the YMCA. And towards the end, I was here in Kansas City. Uh, my last four or five years was over all the YMCA's uh, sports programs, where we're hosting large tournaments, you know, football, soccer, basketball across the whole Metro and just my love of programming and events and, you know, I've organized five K's before that and everything just really got into just being this kind of big programming tournament nerd uh, through sports, excuse me. And so after that uh, all this time, I'm still gaming, obviously. Um, I worked for the Chamber of Commerce, uh, here in Kansas City, in a suburb, and the Sports Commission, and so my role is to help those tournaments come in, and have events like football tournaments and whatnot. So luckily, I wasn't organizing them anymore because I was running, really, with a while. I was running a Super Bowl every Saturday, with thousands of people, and so when I was with the Sports Commission, bringing in events to use hotels and facilities and connecting and you know doing tourism, I also. Realized I really, I think we really need in our convention center here in the suburb of Kansas City. We need a gaming convention or board, board top, uh, table, tabletop, or board game or or gaming like actual video games. And so, did some research. I met some really cool people. This was 2017, three years ago. I met some really cool people here in Kansas City. We have some really uh, amazing organizations here. We've got the headquarters of the high school esports league the headquarters of the National Association of Collegiate Esports. Uh, here in on the Kansas side, we have the headquarters of the Unified Esports uh, Unified Esports Association, which has its own college conference as well, which is Midwest Esports. And um, we're just real lucky to have these kind of people here. And I held an event with some partners. They were included uh, in our suburb, in our convention center, had about 800 people show up for Smash and Fortnite, and you know there was cosplay and um, Overwatch and League of Legends. There's all sorts of events happening. It was really put on well by those those partners of ours at the UEA, and I just got hooked. But actually, rewind to maybe nine ten months, I dove into esports, and I wanted to learn all about it. I actually learned about streaming by Facebook. Some guy was streaming. It was like the first Facebook gamer. Uh, Darkness, His name's Tim, Darkness429. He was the first gamer on Facebook, like one of the first Facebook gamers, like on the official platform that rolled out. And I just watched it every day. And I was like, man, this is, I, I understand it. I understand, like, okay, he's getting donations and he's learning, he's getting people, it's like, oh, look they're, they're getting alerts and recognize he's saying things. This is like the radio model. Like when you call in, you're like, Hey, long-time listener, first time, first time caller. I love what you're doing. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks for calling Tom. Oh my gosh, guys, did you hear? I got on the radio. Like it's the same thing. Like bing. Thanks Tom for donating $5. Oh my gosh. He said my name on his stream. So it's the, it's the same model. I was like, I could do this. So I started streaming on my own and, uh, I started, um, also with the sports commission creating a online tournament to lead up to that event I was talking about. And really the rest is history in the sense of started connecting. We started the idea of this foundation being uh, a thing for grants and scholarships for low-income students in need. And December of 18, I think it was December of 18, this organization was founded. And then last summer, uh, in 2019, I came on as full-time as Executive Director, left the Sports Commission, and I've been having fun ever since.
0: Fantastic. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> All right. So um, can you kind of dive in a little bit more on what exactly does the Varsity Esports Foundation do and how does it help people?
1: We are purely focused on providing uh, access and support to low-income schools and students with grants, scholarships. Uh, internet access, devices, and especially STEM education through gaming in schools. And so with that, we've been real lucky to partner with organizations like the High School Esports League who have 3,000 schools across the country that they work with and or have been a part of their league over the past seven years. They're the longest and largest esports league for high schools. And so we've been real. Ben- it's been real beneficial to partner with them and learn and see how esport clubs are benefiting students. And this is where that conversation started three years ago with Mason Mullino, the founder of HSEL. We were just like, "You're doing this great stuff, but man, there, there's some kids missing out." He know he knew it. He didn't know how, we didn't know where to go. So we decided the nonprofit could help uh, raise funds to give more access. And through this process, about five years ago. Uh, a principal and a teacher in Wichita area of Kansas wrote started writing some curriculum for esports. And last February they published the only comprehensive textbook for esports for high schools. It's 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 a textbook curriculum lesson plans. It's 148 pages, I believe. Uh, we promote it as far and wide as we can. It's actually the only esports curriculum on Microsoft Educator site. And it's actually the number, these numbers are old because it could be doubled by now, but it's been downloaded at least over a hundred thousand times in 40 different countries across the world. Wow. And it's huge. And so with all this stuff we're doing, this is just still the tip of the iceberg what the foundation does, but this idea of education and, and financial support is our main main focus because we see these students in these esport clubs that, we know 90 some odd percent of students play video games. So if there's kids at schools who don't want to throw a ball and don't want to play an instrument or don't want to be in debate, but there's a club where all the kids know they can be a part of something that like everybody does gaming, provide that access in a safe environment through organized play and through uh, leagues like HSCL and then that curriculum comes in either beforehand or after and they surveyed students that use the curriculum and they found out that 82% of students who participate in that curriculum in those class and those clubs actually have never participated in any other extra extracurricular activities at school well, so that means providing belonging for those kids who don't have access or want to participate it's really bringing them out of what we think in the world the stigma of basements and being a home alone and all this other stuff. So they're getting this free, you know, support and guidance and teamwork and critical thinking all through an eSports club.
0: Well, that's wonderful. I'm so glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> the stated mission of this show is to dispel the myth of the lazy unmotivated basement dweller. That's right. So but I actually try to focus more on the individual I'm speaking with rather than the organization that they're representing. So Bubba, what does it mean to be an executive director?
1: Yeah, for me in the nonprofit world for 20 years. I mean, when I was at the Y, uh, I mean that was my goal was to be an executive director of a YMCA. I wanted to, I wanted to be 80 years old, playing basketball in the gym with kids and kill over, you know, at my desk afterwards. Like I had a great life, just hanging out and supporting as many people as possible through a charity, you know, Christian faith-based charity and just supporting that mission. And that was where I was. I was like, that's what I want to do. And I kept climbing and climbing. And then I moved into a different realm and a different nonprofit with a chamber and now here and, you know, coming this far after 20 years of, uh, of a lot of sweat equity and, you know, a lot of time missed from my own kids when I'm looking after everybody else's kids and running events for them, this is a much nicer thing because I can have a lot more family time because you know, running events is a nighttime and a weekend thing. And this is a a much more nine to five. There's a lot, there's a lot of things at night, but at least I can plan for it. And, you know, do podcasts like this at night with different streamers and, and whatnot. But I'm, I'm, I think, I think just, in this role, creating this foundation <clears throat> from the ground up with all our partners is, is more along the lines of how do we become the connective tissue and how do I lead that as an expert with experience and become an authority in all this. And, um, I'm not there yet. I have a ton of learning to do. I have a ton of research to do and all I really want to do is just connect people. That's, that's another personality trait in another personality test, which I think is called five voices, Cause there's like 500 of them, to uh, personality test. And one of them was being a connector. And that's, that's definitely me. I can go around a room and say, Hey, you know, this guy, you know, that guy, you know, networking, especially at the chamber of commerce, you go to these networking events and that's me just like, you know, this guy, Hey, you should meet or miss person or that. So I think that's me. I I've had, I think it's been fun over the past nine months here. I don't even know if it's nine months, whatever September is. Uh, from now in June that I have been able to just have so many fun phone calls with people across the country, across the globe actually, uh, in different pockets doing really fun things, especially in gaming where I love. And I, I think it just for me, I want to amass awareness about things I'm passionate about so people will have a conversation.
0: It's fabulous. Okay. What kind of job responsibilities do you have? Like you, you get up, you pick up the phone and what, what happens?
1: get to have fun conversations like this and talk about the benefits of esports and gaming and um you know stigmas and uh how we as a society perpetuate the gamers in the basement and then we say uh they should stay there and uh, compared to we don't um we don't do that to football players. You know I was a football player in high school college soccer player. I I'm I get to live both sides of the line, which is nice, but I don't remember them saying, "Wow, you're really exercise. You're running too much in soccer." I mean, people probably did say that, but it wasn't like that's just so lame. What, what being a an athlete? There's no, there, well, there's a different platform on traditional sports, and so those are the fun conversations I like to have. Can I think I ask, as an, ex- you
0: know, as a quick interruption, like how, mm-hmm. what, what's your opinion on how do we change that?
1: So literacy, literacy, 100%, doctor is, um, we we have loud people saying loud things and we have even American Psychological Association data being misconstrued in the media. So we, we unfortunately, I mean, even our friends over at the, um, uh, IG, uh, IGDA, uh, International Game Developer Association. I know I've talked with Renee and Anika over the foundation. And I remember her, I remember we we're talking last week. She actually has an office here in Kansas city. Uh, Nika and sh- and we were talking about the guy who went onto the news and was trying to dispel all this stuff back in two thousand nine or so. It was Joe Joe Biden actually talking about uh, video games and violence, I think, because it was a tied to a school shooting issue. And obviously, maybe two years ago, Trump has been saying stuff about it as well. Uh, maybe last year. So it's a lot of people saying loud things that aren't accurate, and because they either misconstrued data, or th- it's what we've been saying for years. We've been doing this for decades to gamers and we see, a, we, I see a big shift in it. I mean, I see parents helping their kid like get their Jersey ready so they can go to the local esports arena at the Walmart to compete. And like, that's what they do compared to, you know, getting their cleats on and going to the field. Like there are parents out there supporting, it's just not seen. And, and that's sometimes because, you know, I'm, you know, in my 30s, I would think if I had a 15-year-old or so, it's still we're in this mindset of my age and my generation, probably still in a mindset of maybe it's not okay, it's looked down upon, but the, it's changing. But still, literacy has got to happen across all levels, endemic and non-endemic to the to the industry. Uh, sometimes really heavily on people endemic to it, because it's really a top-down model. Esports is sexy. Uh, we see big arenas, all this other stuff, but if, if whatever we can do is from us, from our perspective and from my perspective, we've got to tell people more positive stories, but also tell the needs about too much screen time and making students and parents aware of internet safety. Like that's huge to us. So you've got to balance it, but you can't, you've got, well, actually you've got to balance it and you've got to have both out there because otherwise it's just one really bad thing or... Like all oh, this is great stuff, and we're not talking about the things that need to happen to be more proactive in the industry.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's definitely a generational thing. And don't don't go selling yourself short and calling yourself old. You're only a few years older than I am. <laughs> um,
1: I'm young. I'm young.
0: That's right. We're young at heart, at least. I'm just
1: wise <laughs> in the beard. You know, this is this is nice gray hair.
0: I give that a few more years, you get Gandalf level, right? <laughs> you shall not pass. Yes. <laughs> all right. So um are you making any money at this? Like, I, I want people to understand that you know, nonprofits don't necessarily—they're sure. not broke, right? Like, you—you you have an income from this. Yeah,
1: this so is my full-time job. I support my family with it. Uh, Non—yeah—the—the the mis, misunderstandings of of nonprofits is that you don't make money. The idea between nonprofits and for profits for your listeners is for profits have shareholders that invest that get money off of profits or dividends, right? So if you bring in a million dollars, but you only spend 500,000, they have $500,000 of profit they can share with the shareholders or investors. In a nonprofit, you're not allowed to do that. You, you should not do that. Any profit you have, let's use the same numbers, $1 million in uh, revenue generated from membership or programs or grants or donations, and you spend 500,000 to activate and pay your salary and uh, you know, do programs or give out grants or whatever you have that $500,000 gap. Now you put it back into the organization for either next year or you put it into more grants and scholarships and maybe getting more people to on staff to do more, to have more bandwidth, to give more and do more services. But as a nonprofit, you, uh, get a tax incentive only in two, really two big ways. One sells tax, on, sells tax on purchasing things in your state and then property tax, typically in most states where you don't pay property taxes. Now um, the, the process there is filling out forms, but the government wants nonprofits because it allows us in, as citizens to create an organization to do something they don't want to handle. They don't really wanna do a ton of raising awareness on getting people to donate blood. There's organizations that have been doing it great for, I don't know, 100 years at the Red Cross. So giving them a tax incentive to do something by not paying sales tax on stuff they purchase or property tax for their buildings, they can go and do more because they're having to pay less in taxes and people were more willing to support it because it's not the government, right? Or it's not a for-profit, so a nonprofit gets you in a. I get in a lot more doors than uh, some of my counterparts in the esports space, and uh, yeah, it's it's. You're I'm not I'm not out making million dollars to salary a year, but I mean, there's organizations that do. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, St. Jude. I mean, it takes like what four million dollars a day to run. That's like a million or four hundred million four million dollars a day to run, the facility. But the CEO has earned his his or herself to that position to lead 100,000 people and staff and volunteers across the country to raise $4 million a day. So it takes a lot of work, just like it does if you're the CEO leading, I don't know, Dell or something and Dell hire has a hundred thousand people that needs to, they need to lead all their people to lead their people, lead their people. So it's experience, but in the last part of it, really there, there is a salary um, difference. I mean, you're not a, you're not a fortune five, 500 company as a nonprofit, but you can have somebody getting paid nothing as an executive director or a million dollars depending on how big the reach and the big the organization is.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for that explanation. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have any advice for someone who may be interested in starting their own nonprofit to whether it's to help gamers or anybody else? Like what are the steps that you think they should follow?
1: Yeah, I, I I have that question a lot. I would say it's, it takes three to five years to get an organization, a nonprofit with its feet under itself. Uh, And it may take three to five years to even get somebody Paid on staff. So if you're starting a nonprofit, unless you're running like events for a nonprofit to help something, and there's revenue generated from programs or events, um, you know raising money for a good cause can be difficult, unless it really pulls on the heartstrings. You know I can we can talk about kids needing water or kids needing clothes, and that pulls on your heartstrings. Um, but sometimes you have nonprofits that, you know, we need this so we can provide more X and maybe it doesn't pull on the heartstrings of people, but, but you, you've got, you know, I know, whatever, how many billions of people on this planet that you can reach out to. And there's a lot of people who have and have not, and the haves should be able to support the have nots if we really look at it. And um, you know, ideally you're, you're going to, you're gonna take a lot of time trying to get nonprofit. I, what I notice with all the people I've talked to, like, yeah, we're gonna start a nonprofit. It's actually not a super hard process. It just takes effort and clarity um, and paperwork. But then bylaws and board members and managing and maintaining and creating, um, there's no real cookie cutter option um, and there's no real just carpet bag, come in and make it. You really are on your own on an island sometimes, but there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of organi- there's a lot of for-profit organizations out there helping nonprofits start and, and, and also nonprofits helping nonprofits, which is actually, those are really great organizations. So it takes time. It takes a lot of time.
0: Absolutely. And not to mention, I have come across, I've helped people start nonprofits, but they don't seem to understand that they have to earn money they think it's all just volunteer like no it has to be a business it it is a legitimate business Mm -hmm. all right so bubba i'd like to talk about you for a moment if we can like as a person what 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 makes you special What are your unique skills
1: uh i am a five-time uh church camp belly flop champion (laughs) (laughs) i love it (laughs) i used to i used to go to uh, camp down in Oklahoma every summer. I did it like 11 years, I think. And through high school and maybe like one year in college, I had these really sweet shoes that didn't have laces. This is like the first kind of shoes that you slipped on. And so I would, and they look like water and, uh, I would wear them and I would go to the pool and we had a diving board at the pool at the camp. And, uh, I would go with a mission every year to start a belly flop competition between all the people that have been returning or new people there at camp. And, you know, it wasn't always the same groups every year and just try to get my belly as red as possible and make the loudest noise possible because I could get better air up into the sky with my big, big body to make a large splash. So there's something unique about me, I guess. Um, other, otherwise, um, I think I've shared a lot about kind of my faith and where I, where I stand and with, with my family and stuff. But um, I just, I, I like, I like having fun. I like, I like connecting with people and um, saying stupid stuff.
0: Wonderful. And, yeah. And just, right. yeah. So um, I want to ask if I, can I humble you for a moment? Okay. All right, so I, I would like my audience to understand that not, not everybody I talk to is like amazing in every respect. They didn't succeed at everything they ever did. And that we learn the most from our failures rather than our successes. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to ask you, Bubba, what mm-hmm. is something that you have failed at?
1: Oh, I'd say more, more failures than anything than successes, uh, but those are the things that definitely have given me, oh, man, so much more clarity. Just, I mean, just, just failing in communication, you know. Like I said, sometimes I can't be one-on-one with people. Uh, or actually, one-on-one is fine. It's how I, it's how I say and do things. I think, you know, more or less, of like, am I, am I joking about a situation rather than being serious about it? Like that's being serious is not Bubba. The people know and like I always have some sort of you know quick-witted thing to say that people will laugh at but you know that's the extent of of what people may know me sometimes but I think on a professional level I try to be presented professionally rather than I would around like my friends and you know you know run around my shirt off or something silly or whatever we I would do um but I think The failure side of it would be communication. Um, I think communication in work and uh, marriage and with my kids, with friends, I think that's a struggle I have every day. And, but then I get to realize I, I, I could have learned that better. I think I've also just gained a lot of language in the past year through connecting with people and understanding what trauma is for people, what, um, you know, addiction is for people and like just putting language to things and understanding like there's more than just my selfish need. <laughs> and I, I think that's definitely my personality is me, me, me. Um, but communication a hundred percent, I think is a failure I have in specific situations, work coworkers, um, you know, not, not giving all the information. Cause I, I either read between the lines, thinking, "Oh, they probably know this already," uh, but I, I try to hound on a lot. I think uh, I tell a lot of students to be coachable, and um, I I try to be that myself. But I know I then I don't I miss out on some key components because coachability is super important uh, in the workspace. And I've got people to report to still. i got board members to report to. I need to be coachable and accepting. Um, and I need to lead my staff and my volunteers um, to be able uh, to be coachable and um, understand what direction I'm going. I think explanation is a hard thing for me. Sometimes I can ramble like I'm doing now or I could be clear the point and move on, but I, there's no in between sometimes. So there's, there's a lot of failure I'd, I'd say I'd have, but that's an identifiable one most likely.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Okay. One more question. What is something that people seem to misunderstand about you when they first meet you?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Your name is Bubba. Um. Really? Uh, I'd say that or. um, Man, misunderstanding about. I'm pretty open. I'm pretty transparent guy. It's hard to be, and and (laughs) maybe I'm really misunderstood because I present myself as one way, and um, you know, on the surface of being silly, but uh, but I, I probably. I'd say the, I'd say the easiest answer for that is your name is Bubba and that's a nickname of course, but I've have gone by that for years and cause I work with kids for years and they like it. And I like being Bubba in front of people and, um, you know, whenever I'm, I, I, gra- I like, we gravitate towards, if we go to community groups or whatever with families, I'm usually in the, in the living room with the kids doing a, um, uh, you know, uh, a toy, like a, like a puppet show <laughs> and all the adults are in there talking about life and I'm just want to hang out on the floor and roll around and, and, you know, play with toys. So um, I think I, think I misunderstood that there is another side of me because I just present this kind of, um, you know, this, this uh, idea of being Bubba. Well,
0: I love it. <laughs> okay. So, Bubba, thank you so much for coming on. How do people find you? Where Where are you on social media? How do they get in touch?
1: Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find my personal account on Twitter at Bubba Gaddert. Uh, Bubba spelled like the cool way. Three B's, one U, one A. Um, and then my last name is Gaddert. It's G-A-E-D-D-E-R-T. And then for our foundation, uh, it's under Varsity Esports Foundation. Everything is Varsity Esports Foundation. You can search uh, the, the signs, maybe a little shorter, on Twitter and some of the things. But VarsityEsportsFoundation.org is our website. And we'd love to have supporters to support more students and schools uh, that are disenfranchised in low-income areas with access. You know, we're trying to raise a million dollars to give as much access as possible. Um, $100,000 $100, supports like 1,200 students uh, a year uh, with access to STEM education. So we would love to have your support.
0: That's incredible, absolutely. All right, um, is there any last points we wanna make before we wrap up or anything I didn't ask you think we still need to talk
1: about? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd just say um, I, I wanna hound on like esports e- and gaming literacy for society we've got to stop perpetuating what we're doing to our students because they are going to come out this differently and they're going to have kids in 20 years where that's going to be totally different from what uh, we're doing to our kids now so the more we can uh, help the people our age be more literate about gaming and esports the better our kids are going to be
0: all right. Well, Bubba Gatter, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the time.
0: All right. And on that note, I'll remind you all, don't be just a gamer. Be a gamer for newer.